Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm your host, Tish. Journey with me as I talk to everyday people about how Christ changed their life. Welcome back for another episode of Trust the Journey. This morning, we're going to be talking to Erica. Erica's going to share her testimony. Please, Erica, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Erica. I have been married for a little over eight years. I have one son. He just turned two, so pray with me for that. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible Terrible twos. twos. I've lived uh, pretty much the same city my whole life, and I'm a native. Pretty much me. That's, That's well. <laughs> Erica. Great. Erica, I have an icebreaker question for oh. you. If you could travel any place in the world, where would you go and why? Well, because I want to stay in the U.S. territory, <laughs> I'm too scared to travel outside the U.S., I would want to go to Hawaii because it's still overseas, but the U.S. territory. I feel more safe, I guess, that way. But I hear how beautiful it is, just the waterfalls they have, Mm -hmm. just everything, crystal clear water. And I mean, we go here to California and it's like... That's not clear water. That's not clear, no. I can't see my feet. So I would love to just go hiking in Hawaii and just explore the the area, the island. You know, just so beautiful. And so that's probably going to be our 10-year goal anniversary is to get there. Maybe. We'll Well, see. Let me know. I want to go with you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Go ahead, share your testimony, please. My earliest childhood memory isn't a good one. I was sexually abused by my biological father and again that was the the youngest memory I have of him we were raised in a home where we went to church every Sunday every Wednesday you know we're very legalistic background my family we we played the part pretty much you know my mom was involved in church and I mean led a young girls kind of girl scout type of thing within the church I believe my father was even like a deacon of the church my aunts and uncles they're all in high um, leadership within the church so like I had two uncles that are pastors the rest of my aunts were worship leaders or missionaries so my family is very knitted in the church growing up whenever a sin was brought up in the family it was brushed under a rug you know no one wanted to deal with the sin and I feel like it was because to protect the family name you know growing up I was afraid to say what happened to me and and at a young age I didn't understand what had what was going on like I knew in the back of my head that it was wrong but this is my dad you know like how am I supposed to understand that this isn't supposed to happen since that's my youngest memory you know I was probably about maybe about five six ish around there when the sexual abuse stopped Mm -hmm. Um, but then the verbal and the physical abuse Mm -hmm. started happening and I saw where my father would also physically abused my oldest brother my father had a military background so his discipline was military style it was very harsh and and just physically hurt, you know it hurt and but there was never just discipline where it was from his heart where he would talk to us or anything that it was just you did wrong here I'm gonna whoop you and I'll find anything possible to hurt you you know so I experienced that from him you know just I guess just rough leadership from him and, mm-hmm. and I can't really say leadership because he was even abusive to my mother also so then around the age of 13 
I uh, was in school and my best friend was telling me about abuse that happened to her. I, I believe it was with one of her uncles and how she told her mom and everything that happened. And so I began to tell her like, hey, this happened to me, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, I felt safe with her like, cause she's gone through everything that I went through. I started telling her about my father and how he sexually abused me and how he was physically abusive, verbally abusive. Well, I look back at it now and I just see how the Lord's hand was in all of it. My best friend at the time, her mom was actually the receptionist at the school and my aunt was on the board of that school. So once people heard my name, they knew, wait a minute, this is so-and-so's daughter and this is so-and-so's niece. Like we know who she is. So when my best friend's mom found out, she right away was like, wait a minute, no. Like Mm -hmm. this cannot be forced. You know, once the school finds out, authorities have to get involved and just go through the protocol and everything. So next day, at school oh and then also my cousin was my teacher my oldest one of my older cousins he was my my grade school teacher I get back to school like a normal day didn't think nothing happened and police are on campus and they pull me out of school they I go into questioning and everything everything's brought out you know and, and my mom is, is shocked like what is going on you know my siblings were completely confused and shocked it this was um, the point that completely destroyed my family we went through losing a member of our family really my father ended up getting incarcerated for that they picked him up gave him prison time I I believe it was eight years he got. After that, our, our lives were even were changed even more. Now we're talking about losing one income in the home. Mm-hmm. And my mom went from living, I mean, we lived pretty good. You know, both my parents had pretty good jobs. And now my mom went to the one income, went through depression, went through just all the guilt of losing her husband, also not understanding why. So instead of her dealing with it in a healthy way, I was the one to blame. She would um, basically tell me like, you know, if you didn't open your mouth, this would have happened. And so she started going out to the bars, partying and started doing drugs and just hanging around with the wrong people. By the age of 15, we had an absent mother. 15, my I was 15, my sister was 16 and we were pretty much allowed to do whatever we wanted. By 16, we were having parties at the house. All weekend, our friends would come over and we didn't live in a great neighborhood at the time so we knew a liquor store that would give us alcohol mm-hmm. to un- you know to underage kids and so we would go in buying as much alcohol as we wanted partying all weekend at the house by the age of 17 I was already promiscuous I was doing my alcohol every weekend every night I remember going to school and would have you know some alcohol before going to high school and I don't know how I never got caught on that but you know it happened and um, by 17 18 years old I was in relationships I shouldn't have been in uh, living with the guys that I shouldn't have been living with not living a good life you know living a good life things teenagers should not have should not go through at that age so then about 18 years old um, the relationship I was in I got out of that it was just unhealthy and just not something that I did not want long term the end of my 18 year of life um, we were it was like New Year's Eve I'm sorry I was 19 years old I was with my family because I was already out of that relationship and I was with my um, my family and my sister told me hey you know the family um, which was basically all the church um, they're gonna go hang out at a bowling alley to bring in the new year let's just go hang out and and at this time I was already quitting the alcohol staying trying to stay away from certain friends you know 
know and trying to live a good life and I knew who Jesus was I knew who God was but that relationship wasn't there I went to the bowling alley we were bowling you know bowled in the new year had a great time and everything and right before midnight my aunt she pulled everyone together she's like hey let's pray in the new year let's you know get together in a big circle so we get in and that's when I felt like the Lord just tug at my heart and say like you need to come to me I I've always been here you're the one running like stop you know and I felt like that was the Lord just knocking at my heart saying come on like what are you waiting for you know right then and there I just we were praying and they you know just did one big general prayer and I just closed my eyes looked down and I just started praying like Lord this is it like I'm done I'm tired of this life I'm tired of feeling ashamed feeling the guilt this isn't what I want in my life I don't know what you have planned for me but this is not how I'm gonna live my life anymore I'm tired of it I'm tired of fighting a battle that I don't need to fight we we're done praying and I just remember opening my eyes and I was like okay this is it no more turning back and it's kind of funny because I usually hear people's testimony they talk about how they did an altar call they went you know to the front people laid hands on them and I just got saved in a bowling alley <laughs> And that's really where my relationship with Christ started. You know, and it's funny, I pass by that bowling alley once in a while and I'm like, Lord, you met me there, you know, mm. and I didn't need to be in a church. I didn't need to be in around a bunch of people praying with me or it's just the Lord just called me in a bowling alley and I really felt like his presence there. After that, just my relationship with Christ really started. And so before that, me and my husband, who at the time was uh, just a co-worker, he was talking a little bit like about Christ and grace and what Christ has done in his life. I was listening, you know, and, and I was attracted to him and stuff. I was like, no, this guy's just too spiritual. Like, it's not going to happen, you know. But just little by little, he kept just put, putting that seed. So I ended up coming to the Lord and everything. I wasn't pursuing my husband husband you know so then we I go back to work I didn't tell him but I I think he saw a difference he knew like okay something happened with her you know just after that me and him were, were talking we per, started pursuing each other and um, started dating you know I think within a couple months after that and he's really helped me through my walk pointing me to Christ just being an amazing leader and we got married and and there was a lot of guilt and shame that I had brought into it because I loved him I trusted him but but when I thought of having a family with him, he was guilty to proven innocent. I, I didn't feel like he would do something, but I didn't have the trust. I felt that there's no way I'm gonna have kids with this guy because I am too scared that what happened to me is gonna happen to the next generation. And there was a point where I came home and I just was crying and I told him, I don't think I can have kids with you. Like it's it's too hard. I feel like I'm, I have so much guilt and shame from my past and I have forgiven my parents but I can't I can't do this with you like it's just too hard so um we sought out counseling and he was amazing because he even though the counseling wasn't for him he was there just to support me and he, and he I think knew that I would change my heart on that it's just it's gonna take time just after counseling and so much prayer just from him and and us together we um the i think i really felt the lord changed my heart like you're gonna have kids and everything's gonna be okay it was just a fear that i had that this is gonna happen again you know and i i was so scared and 
I just felt if my own father could do this to me, if my own mother put the guilt and shame in me, if I can't trust my own parents who were put here in my life to protect me, how in the world am I going to trust anybody else? And I, I feel like too, like with, that's how I saw my heavenly father. Like if my earthly parents couldn't even do the basics of parenting, how can I trust Christ because I had my parents here in the flesh and so the Lord really changed my thought on that to even just seeing my husband now being a father to our son I can see how Christ loves the church how my husband loves me and he loves our son and how he can show that relationship and how it's a healthy relationship you know and how God designed it you know I really feel like the Lord just healed my heart on all that and now I don't have to fear you know and it was it was tough you know just going through life and just always having that fear you know I looked at every man as you're guilty because the one man who should have protected me didn't can we go back a little bit yeah how is it that you were feeling going into church knowing that you had been sexually abused and then physically abused Mm -hmm. and you're watching your father who is a deacon in the church abusing your mom Mm -hmm. abusing uh, your siblings how did you feel towards Christ? I felt, I mean, as, as sad as this is, I felt like the church was fake. I felt like everyone was there putting on a show behind closed doors. They're completely different because that's how it was in our home. We would go to church, raise our hands, praise God, you know, and mm-hmm. use all the Christian terms and everything, you know, speak Christianese. Um, but behind closed doors, it was completely different. It was you know? completely different. So yeah. when you became a teenager and started to basically live your own life because mm-hmm. your mom had checked out, and I yeah. want to come back to that moment when your mom found out, uh, we're going to talk about that as, mm-hmm. for a second, but when you got to the teenage years where you're taking care of yourself and partying at any point in time, mm-hmm. did you even think about the Lord? Were you mad? Mm-hmm. I thought about it like I knew what I was doing was wrong I knew what I'm doing right now is completely wrong and now I think about I don't know if it was conviction from the Lord or it was conviction because I'm breaking the law and I'm drinking underage I really honestly don't know because my emotions were just so wild at that at that age you were where, surviving yeah I was total survival mode and basically at the at that time we we lost our home we lost we lost our vehicles everything to me it was just surviving what can I do to get to the next day you know so if it was me breaking the law or breaking quote-unquote the commands from the Lord like I was just surviving it that's that's all I really was at that time like I feel like I still felt that way about the church and and even looking at my family my family was very you know you got to do the a b and c but there was also secrets they had from the family you know and and just stuff from the past that my cousins have gone through and it's like well you tell me I have to do this but how come you haven't done you know and right and instead of me just looking at what I need to work on I was looking at well I know that about you too why aren't you doing that you know and and of course I you know I'm, I'm wrong I need to check my own life but I just saw the churches all hypocrites and I do understand that I was yeah. raised in a legalistic church mm-hmm. you know you never can meet anyone's expectations but yeah. then the people that are trying to tell you what you need to do right in your life mm-hmm. they're not doing it either yeah and so you do have a distorted view mm-hmm. and there is no relationship with Christ mm-hmm. can I ask your mom mm-hmm. when she found out when the police were called in what was the dynamics and did she blame your dad did she stand by your dad or Mm -hmm. what was that like at first I think she was in complete shock she didn't know 
who to believe. I know she she even told me later on she called one of my my aunts, which is her sister, and was talking about it. And they even questioned me, like, "Are you sure this happened?" And because when I was younger, I I had anger issues because of mm-hmm. everything I was going through. And I I remember even like there was one New Year's where everyone you know Happy New Year's in the church and celebrated there and everything. And my father came to me, hugged me, and I pushed him because every time he would touch me, I would just push him away. I hated him kissing my cheek. It just everything was disgusting, you know. My mother saw that and my mom scolded me like, "Give your father a hug. What is wrong with you?" And everyone was always looking at me like, "What is wrong with Erica? Why is she always angry with her father?" When all this came about, my aunt even questioned my mom, "Are you sure she's not lying about this just to hurt her dad because she she hates him?" And nobody ever put it together that yeah. that's why you didn't exactly. want him to be near you. And at that time when we were younger, there wasn't we don't we didn't have the resources we have now where you can kind of see okay a child's behaving in certain mm-hmm. ways something traumatic could have happened and back then they didn't have those resources so mm-hmm. they just saw it as me being rebellious and angry and there's something deeper than than that there's no right. way that could have happened and I think because our family wanted to have the title and keep that title right. of we're a good family but it, it, it wasn't, wasn't the case yeah. yeah because of what they were doing they're yeah. standing in the church that's the last thing that they wanted yeah. out about their family yeah so my mom she stood by him I felt that she was trying to stay by him but then also by me so she kind of played both sides I remember even after they they took him in for questioning and all that I I'm not sure if he got bailed out or exactly how but he he was out and then my mom and him were going like on dates to mm-hmm. like help each other mm-hmm. through this and I remember thinking you picked him why did I even come out and say this when you're picking him and I remember there was a time where he came over to our home and this is after everything had happened I'm surprised um, he was even allowed to come to your home there was a restraining order but she my mom my mom didn't withhold her end you know the restraining order so he came over and they were gonna go like out for lunch or dinner or whatever and he came over he hugged my sister because at the time he couldn't see her either I was in my brother's room playing a video game or whatever and mm-hmm. my mom comes in and she says your dad's here come say hi and I'm thinking in my head you're not even supposed to be here that was hard so I had to put down my video game because you know at the time I'm trying to you know respect my mother too you know and so I go and she's like give your dad a hug he's here to see you and I just remember looking at him and thinking you're the last person I want to see like I wanted him dead I did not want him around me I was thinking when this whole secret came out good you're out of my life leave I'd never want to see you again and here I was forced to give my abuser a hug and that was hard for me I didn't want to be around him you know so she try to keep cordial I guess try to still keep the family together when in my head I'm thinking no way there's nothing to keep together no I'm trying to get away from this guy don't push me to have a relationship and it's never going to be a father-daughter relationship never you know after he got incarcerated she would still go see him like Mm -hmm. every other weekend write letters and all that and then of course that just kind of dwindled off and she met somebody and so that happened when I was 15 years old and she was still married she actually didn't divorce him until I was 30 so for 15 years afterwards she was still married him I I believe she pursued divorce a few times and he didn't sign the papers and she kind of just let it go but I always felt that every year they were married every year their anniversary came I just felt like a slap in the face like mom you're supposed to protect me do anything like I now me as a mother I protect my son no matter what that was hard 
just knowing she picked him. That's how I felt, you know. Have you ever asked her that? We've we've had discussions about it on I believe she's in I believe she's in denial. She really doesn't feel in her head she picked him. Till this day me and her don't even have a good relationship. It's a holiday relationship, I call right. it. We see each other for holidays and that's pretty much it. To pick up the phone and call her right now and right. say, Hey mom, how are you doing? would be awkward. Is there truly forgiveness mm-hmm. there not on your behalf but maybe on her mm-hmm. behalf she has not forgiven you do you think I think I think that has a lot to do with it I remember one day she was completely wasted com- like went off on me and pointed the finger in my face and said it's because of you our lives are like this right now and I guess she was under the influence and all that her words mm-hmm. were true that's right. how that was from her heart yeah. you know and just her tone and everything in it that's how she really felt that mm-hmm. that it was my fault and she even said I broke I'm the one that broke up the family and so when she said that you know more guilt and shame because I always felt when I was younger if I come out with this I'm breaking up the family I didn't really think my mom was going to react the way she reacted and even some of my aunts have even after he was incarcerated and gone out have invited him to their home to have dinner and even me as their niece, I feel you you all picked him. That's what it is. Right. And, and do you have a relationship with those other family members? It's a holiday relationship. Just that's pretty much it. Like I don't I don't have a I used to have a very close relationship with them, but now I don't feel welcome. And I feel that you guys all picked him. Why are you protecting the accuser? The the one who did all this supposed to protect the victim and I was I wasn't protected there's very few people I believe in my family who agree with protecting the victim everyone just kind of sees it as like well we're doing the Christian thing and I get you still have to show mercy and grace to people who have done wrong I completely mm-hmm. agree with that but I was a child like I shouldn't have to feel like I tippy toe around my family members homes when I'm not the one that did anything you had no control over the situation yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to ask you the million dollar question. <laughs> have you yeah. spoken to him? I believe it, when me and my husband, we were engaged. We were doing um, premarital counseling. We had to write a letter to somebody who we, we need to forgive from our past. Or I had, to, I had to write him a letter because he was the one I didn't forgive. And I knew, I can't, I, I knew that it was wrong for bring, bringing this into our marriage. Because what me and my husband were going into was something we wanted pure. We wanted it to be blessed blessed by God. I wanted it holy and I knew I had to deal with that right. but I felt like there was not enough time to deal with it before you know um, because even still to this day things come up about him you know so during our premarital I wrote a letter to my brother because even when he was incarcerated when I was younger um, he would write me letters and send me little comics and, and like nothing ever yeah, happened yeah like nothing ever happened yeah okay. and he would write like love dad and how are you doing and just all like like a normal relationship a lot of those letters I still have but they're still sealed up because after about the fifth one I just started putting them away I didn't want to read them because to me I'm like I saw this man as something someone disgusting I don't want to hear from you you know when we were in our premiere I wrote him a letter and I basically just laid out everything and just told him you know you hurt me this way I went through this as a teenager I didn't have you there in my life you weren't there to see me for my prom my graduation nothing you know I, I, I wasn't trying to make him feel guilty but I wanted him to know the hurt that he caused because it wasn't right. I missed out on my daddy walking me down 
the aisle. So, you know, that was the hardest time was getting married. And I remember just one of my father-in-laws, he asked me a question like, who's going to walk you down the aisle? And I did mention, you know, oh, my, my oldest brother's going to walk me down the aisle. And that, that meant a lot, you know, to have my brother there. But that's every girl's dream, you know, to get married and have their dad. Yeah. I think that's what really hurt me the most was not being able to have him there, you know. What was his response? He actually never, never wrote back. No, I don't know if, you know, maybe he had the guilt and shame from that, you know, and just knowing that that he caused that, you know, because out of all his children, there's five of us. I have three older brothers and then my older sister. And I was the only one who he would have been able to walk down the aisle, you know, and I just felt like that was taken from me, you know, but um, I, uh, I accidentally ran into him one time because he still has a, a close relationship to my sister. I was at her house. There was a knock at the door and I, I thought it was someone else. I opened the door and he was there, but it was real dark at night. Her porch light wasn't on and I saw his vehicle on the, by, you know, the street light and I kind of just froze up because I was not expecting that at all I just kind of stood there and then I heard him say like oh crap or something like that mm-hmm. you know and because he knew I think just from my sister that I didn't never want to have a relationship with him and this was I believe my son was already about one years old probably about a year and a half ago he just kind of walked away just you know left the door and just went back to the street and I remember I turned around I just started crying and uh, my nieces who you know they don't have a clue what what has happened or anything they see me crying and they're like why is auntie crying like what's going on my sister ran out and she goes what like I just bursted out into tears and I think because it, remi- it reminded me of everything I went through everything, and I, yeah. I wasn't prepared for that moment my sister of course comforted me and she ran out and told him you need to leave you know Erica here you cannot be here when she's here from that moment on I just felt like I can't even go to my family's house and be protected because they all want that relationship with him which is fine for them but he won't ever have that relationship with my husband or my son you know and right do you think that even if he asked for forgiveness I know that you would of course forgive him because mm-hmm. it's what Christ calls you to do yeah do you think that things would move forward different with your dad I don't think so because I I have forgiven him I, I do forgive him but I don't trust him oh, um, I, I would always second guess in my head is he looking at my son differently is he um, looking at me differently and in a sexual way I just wouldn't even want to touch his hand or have him hug me I feel just disgusted well I, yeah I don't because that's your good. dad period yeah he's to protect you not assault yeah. you I don't think we could ever have that relationship going forward it would I remember even I, I told my sister you know the day that he passes I will be at the funeral for you but not for him as sad as it is that that day I would feel like you're gone I don't have to fear going to the store what if you're there or what if I go to my sister's and you're there I I don't have that fear anymore so what keeps you from just keeping your distance from all the family? Now it's gotten to the point where I have to keep my distance. If there's a family event, I, I would rather them come to my home instead of me going there. My immediate family, they know if there's an event and I'm there, he's not welcome. I, he's never shown up just out of the blue like to places like that. But it has gotten to the point where I feel like I have lost my family, you know, yeah. because of all this. They choose to have that relationship with him and, and that's fine. But sadly, they, they're going to have to choose. We can 
trying to be in each other's lives together, you know? Right. So, I, um, I do understand that, especially with my own experience. Mm-hmm. So I can totally relate to you when you say, I'll be at the funeral to support you, sis. Yeah. But that does not mean that you haven't forgiven. How is it that you shared with your husband, first of all, that you were abused by your father? What was the baggage you brought in? Mm-hmm. And how did you move forward? Well, we were first dating within the first three months. We shared a lot with each other. We figured, you know what, if we're going to pursue this and we're going to put Christ first, let's just throw out all of our skeletons so that nothing comes out later on in life. We laid everything out for each other. I didn't go into detail with my with what my father had done. I just told him, you know, he abused me at a young age. And I feel that Steve kind of put two and two together. He knew by the way I was telling him, he knew, okay, yeah, he verbally, sexually, physically abused you. So he he knew that going into the marriage. But in the marriage, my husband, he's amazing. Like he has done nothing but be patient through all this. Yeah, the Lord definitely sent you an amazing guy, I'm telling you. There's... I don't know how how he stayed patient through all this, but he would just sit there and when he knew that I was going through something or just feeling something, he would back away or just go and pray. He wouldn't question it. He wouldn't pursue like, I need to talk to you about it. We need to get it out. He's more like, I'll just sit here and wait until you're ready. And when you're ready to talk about it or deal with it, which for me felt great because I felt like I could deal with it at my own time. But I felt bad for him because he had to wait. There was a point, like I said, when we, I came home and just cried and told him like, I feel guilt. I feel shame. I'm, you know, I read the word and it says, obey your mother and father. And I don't want to obey yeah. them because their instructions were ungodly. They right. they were hurtful. They were wrong, you know? And I just remember thinking, am I going to hell? Because I don't honor my mother and father. I don't respect them. I don't have good parents. Am I going to hell for this? And so I started feeling that too. And, and just talking to my husband, he's like, no, like what you went through is not something that the word's talking yeah, about when Lord it comes was, to, yeah, you know, and plan. like I, I'm supposed to respect them, but I don't have to have that relationship where it's going to put me in harm. I dealt a lot with that because I questioned myself is, is the way I'm living by kind of just being a, a holiday parent or a holiday child with, with my mother. Is that even okay? Am I not following God's word in that? Am I being disrespectful to the word to my mother? Like, you know, I, I, I questioned everything with them. And so Steve was, he got to the point where he's like, you know, we need to talk to somebody. And so I, at the church we were going to, I, I spoke to one of the counselors and my husband was there and just, it, it was amazing because even though I was just spilling everything out to this counselor, my husband just sat there and just listened. Never walked away judging and saying, you know, you did this wrong. You shouldn't feel this. You could have said it this way. You didn't, you right. know, he just let me just spew anything I wanted out. For him, it was just being patient and just right. waiting on the Lord. And I think in the back of his head, he knew the Lord's going to work this out. Yeah. I just need to sit back and wait. I think that was hard for him because he, he's a defender. He wants to defend me. And protect, protect me, you. and put he really. I think if he could put me in a bubble and just let nobody hurt me, he didn't know how to fix this because he's never gone through anything like this. And so for him, he all he could do was sit back and pray. Like I said, that I think was the hardest thing for him is knowing my wife is feeling a certain way. I can't just wipe away her tears and everything's fine. Like I have to let the Lord deal with her right. in this. We went through that, and my son. We waited six years till he arrived, and the first few years of marriage I mean our communication everything was great it's just when it came to me becoming a mother I had 
the biggest fear of my life. I was afraid that I'm going to go through, my kids are going to go through what I went through. We have an amazing marriage. It's just deal, me dealing with the past with that was just something that was hard. That, yeah. that made it tough. Just going through that, that's what really opened my eyes to knowing like I need help. You know, right. everything else is great. Just communication, everything we're going through was amazing. Right. It's just, I have this baggage I have to deal with. What made Steve different than any other man? How is it that you trusted him after the situation with your father? I think just his personality. Like if anybody meets Steve, they know he has a meekness to him. Mm-hmm. He is very calm. He is very very slow to speak, slow to get anger. He's not the type to just lash out. He's very humble. He will not be rude. With him, he just stood out different than most guys. He wasn't arrogant, wasn't cocky. When I met him, he had, you know, his own vehicle. He had his own home. Like, he had his career going. And at my age at the time, when because I, I met him when I was 19, most guys my age didn't have any of that, you know? And right. the guys that I was used to were the partiers. And, I mean, sadly, I dated guys guys who were dealing drugs and selling drugs and stuff you know that's just who I was around so meeting Steve he was completely different than them you know and then too what I think topped everything off was he loved the Lord yeah there it is that's what I was waiting for (laughs) like that I think just all his all his traits his characteristics and everything just really pointed towards the Lord it's kind of funny when we were dating like he made it very clear that if you're not serving the Lord we are not pursuing each other and so kind of I, I at first I took it as like oh he's threatening me like he's gonna break up with me but then I realized Lord this is the man who you created for me like I need that strong man to say you know what no we're not gonna live a certain way we're not gonna be those Christians that say we're Christians but behind closed doors we're living like the world Steve is very strong on we're mm-hmm. gonna follow the Lord and if you're gonna live in this house we're gonna be married you will follow <laughs> like I don't have a choice yes. I mean I have a choice but there's no there's no ifs or ends or, or buts about it you know like he knew who he was in Christ and he wasn't gonna take less for that so for me um just seeing how much he loved the lord was just eye-opening because i i never saw that looking at steve it was like he's a defender you know he wanted to defend his own family like me and i see the way he is with his own family you know he wants to defend them he he doesn't um want harm on them you know he's just an amazing man of god who i feel like the lord did uh, raise him up to be in that leadership role you know so he definitely stood out compared to other guys I saw what a future husband would be I knew with him I would be safe there wouldn't be this going back and forth we're saved but we're not going to go to church we're not going to do this we're not going to have fellowship he's big on no we're going to follow Christ we're going to walk it out daily this isn't a Christmas and Easter kind of relationship you know so yeah that's what stood out different from him share with us what it is like living in a Christian home when you have completely submitted your life to Christ. I think for us, we just always have to look at Christ and ask for guidance. Lord, how how do you want us to do this? Even being a parent, we have to pray every day. Lord, how do you want us to discipline our son? How do you want us to walk this out? Even in our finances, Lord, do you want us to do it this way, that way, you know? And let the Lord lead us instead of us just going off of our emotions and feelings. Well, I feel like we should do this. Like, well, is that really biblical? Is that really how the Lord wants it for our lives? And then too, I just, 
I feel like when Christ is the center of our home, we're just constantly like in unity within each other. You know, I remember with our premarital class, they were talking about how um, now picture a triangle, you know, and, and Steve's on one side, I'm on the other side and Christ is on the, the very on the top. top. And the closer we get to Christ is the closer we get to each other. So we're going up this, you know, little mm-hmm. pyramid. That's how I feel like if I'm in my word, if I'm praying and I'm just trying to just want more of Christ, just living out my daily walk with Christ. And if my husband's doing that, like our relationship within each other is we're doing well, we're doing really good. I know we're having less disagreements and or even our discipline with our, our son, we're having more patience. We're constantly just looking at Christ to guide us. Lord, what do you want for our lives? What's the future for us? Like we might not have an audible answer right now saying thou shall do this or, you know, <laughs> we may not have that, but Christ is just leading us day by day. I mean, there's been times where I feel like, oh, we should do something. It's just my feeling. And then I would bring it up to Steve. He'll say, well, let's pray about it. And I get a completely different answer within like the next day. And I'm like, Lord, you know what? Yeah, you don't want us to do right. that. You know, that that would be a terrible decision. You know, I feel like the Lord has saved us from a lot of bad decisions, right. you know, even from buying a vehicle, buying a home. Lord, is this what you want for us? I feel like he saved us from a lot of heartache, you know, a lot of debt too, you know, yeah. a lot of times we'll, of course, we're going through the store and we're like, oh, that would be nice to get, you know, and it's way over our, our monthly budget, you know, and then I might say, yeah, let's get it. And he might say, no, let's go home. Let's pray about it. Right. Cause even that and little then, bit of time, you and know? then it like the Lord knocks sense into me. It's like, why do you want that? Why? What's you don't the purpose? Need it. Yeah, you don't yeah. need that right now. Sometimes a year later, he might feel like, okay, now we can do it. I think too, the Lord just helped us with our finances in that. When me and Steve first met, we had a crazy amount of debt. Just by praying and just asking the Lord, what's your will in our life? We both felt the Lord wanted us to be debt free mm-hmm. and... Um, it took us a while, but we got out of debt. You know, yeah. the Lord. You had um, a goal together. Yeah. And the Lord, I felt like he blessed that. He put that on both of our hearts to be out of debt. The Lord just opened the doors for that to be debt free. And I I think it was, it must have been about a week before um, my 29th birthday. And Steve came up to me and he goes, I paid the last house payment. And I go, what? <laughs> He's like, happy birthday. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a nice 29th birthday. Thank you. You know, that was amazing. So trusting the Lord in that, just knowing that the Lord's going to provide. I feel like the Lord provided me an amazing husband. The Lord's provided for our finances because we're faithful to him. We didn't question God like, you know, are you truly there? We knew he was there. I may have doubted myself, but Mm -hmm. I never doubted Christ. I knew that he was going to be there through the hardest time of my life to the best time of my life. Christ has always sustained us through everything. And I think just keeping Christ as the focus of our life has helped us tremendously. Once you dealt with your fears of being a mom, how has that been raising your son now that you have dealt with that? I feel like so blessed to have my son. I look at him and I'm like, why did I fear so much? Like I look at him as truly God's gift. Absolutely love this kid. I feel like the Lord has given me so much patience with him and to given me, I mean, I don't know if maybe all moms are, are built this 
this way, but a protection for him. Like I still, I still have certain fears, you know, with him spending the night at people's houses. I am definitely a mama bear. Like the Lord has definitely put that in my heart. Like you are going to protect this kid at at all times. And I mean, of course I can't keep 24 seven watch on him, Mm -hmm. you know, but I feel like the Lord has really given me patience with him. And I think too, because before our son we ended up having a miscarriage our first pregnancy and so going through that I even questioned God like are are we supposed to have children is this maybe something that you want am I are you protecting me from more fear later on you know I that's how I always felt because I always feared of being a mother I'm like well maybe this is God's way of protecting me from that you know and then after losing that child I just had even more of a desire to want to be a mom. When we had our son, I was just so thankful. Like, Lord, thank you for giving me another chance to be a mom. And I didn't want to take this for granted. I mm-hmm. wanted I wanted nothing more in life than to just be there for him, to give him everything I couldn't have. A nurturing, caring, present mother. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be an absent parent. You know, I right. saw the way it affected me, and I didn't want that for his life. I mean, me and my husband, we even talked about when we have children, would we do daycare with what I stay home and I looked at him and I go I'm staying home with our children there's no way I'm gonna send my child off to daycare I feel so blessed the Lord's given us this ability so I can stay home with him and raise him and teach him in God's ways truly just be there for him allow him to grow in Christ all I ask for when he grows up is honor the Lord with all your heart whatever you do in life honor the Lord and he will bless you in that that's just our prayer for him that he would seek the Lord and that what we're doing now would be an example for him, you know. So do you have any words of advice or encouragement that you'd like to share? I just want to encourage men, women, it is if you've ever been abused, speak up about it. It's it's nothing for us to feel shame or guilt. We didn't cause this on ourselves. I know this whole Me Too movement is going on and everything. I just want people to know like even though we've been a victim of abuse, we can be victorious in that through Christ. We shouldn't want around with the sign of me too I've been I've been through that we should look at it as like but God did what always look at that like God has done what through this just pointing everything back to Christ it's hard to think while I was abused Christ was there but I knew like he had um, something greater for me than that like he was either going to use my testimony or help other women who've gone through it and just show them I mean at the time I didn't when I was young I I thought this was terrible. How am I ever, how's Christ ever going to use this? There's no way, you know, but now as an adult and now living for Christ and having him in my life, I now know like none of that was done in vain, you know? So just encourage other people, you know, step up. It's, it's not something we should feel guilty about or shame. Another thing is that we can forgive others as hard as it is to forgive someone who's truly hurt you in any way, whether it's verbally, physically, sexually, forgiveness only comes through Christ. There's no way I could have truly have forgiven my parents for all the stuff that they did if it wasn't for Christ. I think that's where I found true forgiveness is when I realized all the things that I've ever done in life, Christ forgave me. If he's forgiven me of that, then why shouldn't I forgive others for the hurt that they put me through? So there's a scripture that stood out to me and my husband as we were getting married. I didn't realize at the time how the scripture was really going to impact my life. I knew we were to forgive each 
each other. Now looking at this, I could just totally see how God just used the scripture for our life. It's Ephesians 4.32. It says, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We have been forgiven much and we need to forgive others for what has been done to us, whether it's what any kind of abuse that we've gone through. Christ has called us to forgive. Thank you for listening to Trust the Journey. For show notes, visit us at facebook.com forward slash trustthejourney316. For questions or comments or to inquire about being a guest on the show, email trustthejourney316 at gmail.com. I encourage you to embrace God's calling on your life. Our ministry begins with our testimony. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Until next time, I am Tish Goble signing out. Have a great day. Thank you.